Merry Christmas. My name is Brad Watson, and this is the Saturate Podcast's Advent devotional called Preparing Room. This is a 25-day reflective journey through the themes of Advent, as well as the themes of being the people God called us to be, so I hope that you will enjoy it. In addition to this devotional, we also have resources on Advent that I'd love for you to check out at saturatetheworld.com. One is the Advent Community Guide, which will help you have engaging conversations throughout this season as your community gets together. There's also crafts and coloring sheets for children, as well as alternative ways to use it with your children and family gatherings. So it's a great resource just to use with families as well. Also, we have a holiday missional community planning guide that will help leaders engage and plan for this season so that people will grow in your community in their love for God during this season, their love for one another in this season, and their love for their neighbor this season. So make sure you check both of those out. And with that, let's engage today's reflection. Joy to the world, good news. I'll never forget where I was when I heard the news. LeBron James was coming to Los Angeles to play for the Lakers. King James was going to come. After years of trying to read between the lines and listening to rumors and honestly suffering through some terrible seasons, the hopes were being fulfilled. Uh, As the season approached, the fanfare increased. The skyscrapers of downtown L.A., became full-length billboards to LeBron. The LA Times did a 10-page spread about his first game. Ticket prices skyrocketed as everyone wanted to see his first home game. Mass media was everywhere. I live three miles from the stadium, and I could feel the energy from my living room. The king had arrived, and I cannot hide this fact. I'm so happy about it. But here's the reality. The hope for LeBron, the announcement of his coming and his arrival doesn't compare to Christ's. And I know, of course, everyone's like, well, obviously Jesus is the savior of the world. No, no. I mean, even the stature, the excitement, the fanfare and the glory of LeBron James coming to LA with all of the fanfare does not compare to Christ's arrival. I often hear pastors and and Christians opine the arrival of Jesus as if it was some nondescript, irrelevant, quiet, and understated event. And what we mean is, when we say, oh, he was just born in this lowly way, we mean he wasn't born culturally famous. He wasn't born relevant. He wasn't born in the trappings of what we think are awesome. But here's the reality. Jesus was born cosmically glorious. This is what the angels sing. Glory to God in the highest. The highest of glory. God placed in the highest of honor. His birth was the most glorious. The birth of most renown. The birth of history. 
And yes, it, it happened in a small town in a conquered country that was essentially the highway underpass of the Roman Empire. And yes, it happened to a poor family who was subject to the rule of a distant empire. And yes, it happened outside of a hospital. And yes, we cannot conceive through our modern Western eyes of a birth more horrifying. But it was the most glorious. I think Luke wants us to see exactly that as he tells this story. In Luke 2, 1 to 10, he writes, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea and to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Now just to, to compare kingdoms, the story begins with Caesar, the Roman world, and the governor with complete power. Caesar had the power to call on the entire world to be counted so that he could know how many people belonged to him. And here's the thing, the world obeyed. Imagine that power to command the nations to return to their hometowns and to declare themselves a subject to you. That phrase, everyone went to their own town, is a phrase of complete devotion to Caesar and his rule and his reign. It honestly, it makes me think of Isaiah 9, that the government rests on his shoulders, that there will be no end to his government. Reading the, the first few paragraphs of Luke's story, you can't help but think, wait, is Caesar Augustus the mighty God and Prince of Peace? In fact, I cannot help but reflect on my own heart and perhaps yours too. That kind of power, Caesar's power, is attractive. I might even say more appealing than the power that is to come in the life of Jesus. Because the power of Caesar is a power I can theoretically achieve. It's a power I can theoretically achieve apart from anyone else. If I play my cards right, if I rule, if I reign, if I'm good enough, strong enough, more powerful enough, I can conquer this world. If Augustus can do it, I can surely rule a kingdom of my own. 
See, our love affair with Caesar and empire continues to this day. We long more for the coming power through an election than an already arrived power of Jesus. Caesar is introduced. The story of Jesus' birth is introduced with this power and this empire and this kingdom. And then Luke goes on to just say in very pragmatic terms, it was under this rule and power that Jesus was born. Jesus was not simply born with a distant ruler over him, but but that Lord, that Caesar, controlled even where Mary and Joseph went. And when they went there, Caesar is Lord even over this baby. While much is made of the birth of Jesus in a manger and surrounded by animals without a place to stay, let me just say this, that's how most of the world is born. Jesus was born into the class that is ruled, not the ruling class. He was born a subject. He was born uh, with this banner hanging over him, Caesar is Lord. But then the angel appears to shepherds and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The glory of the creator and the sustainer of the universe surrounded these shepherds. The narrative shifts dramatically from a man's power to the power of Yahweh, to the glory of an empire, to the glory of heaven on earth. It doesn't matter if if Jesus was born in a palace, the angel appearing would have dwarfed anything that the nobility tried to pull off. No kingdom, empire, red carpet, platform, or stadium the wealthiest of nations could build would ever amount to the glory of the Lord shining around them. This king's arrival shattered the divide of heaven and earth. The shepherds were terrified as they should have been and as we should be because the framework of the world just changed. The angels are saying and demonstrating the glory of his birth is more. See, no one predicted Augustus's birth seven years before. No poems were written about the governor of Syria. No mention of the kingdom of Rome from visions 500 years before. But here, the angels are saying, on this day, that long expected promise comes fulfilled. And this is good news. Good news that causes great joy. The angel says to them, don't be afraid. I've got good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, the angel says, a savior has been born and he is the Messiah, the Lord. And with that, the kingdoms and the authorities of this world shrink. The Savior has been born, Messiah, Lord. While Jesus is born under the rule of Caesar, and Caesar is the, is the Lord over all circumstances in his life, Jesus is actually Lord himself. The refrain and the, the, the pushback and the rebelliousness of the church throughout the first century was, was that Jesus was Lord, not Caesar. And this is the most happy and heralded news to ever be spoken. The angel is confident that the news that he delivers causes joy to all 
people. C.S. Lewis wrote often on the topic of joy. Uh, He described multiple experiences where he would have a sudden piercing pang of longing, uh, a bittersweet ache, and a yearning for something far off, some otherworldly, some unnamed desire. True joy, as Lewis presented it, is the aching for something beyond this world. It's the yearning deep within for a sense of a home we've never been to. It's a longing for a relationship that hasn't started. When the angel says, Today a Savior has been born to you, He is the Messiah, He is the Lord, the home we've longed for has arrived. The healing we couldn't even name now has a name. The relationship we were made for has begun. In fact, he was born to us. That is great joy. I've been in three delivery rooms. Uh, When the babies appeared and they cried and the nurses took them and cleaned them off gently and then handed these babies to me like a precious present. I have no idea what the volume was like in that sterile environment because I couldn't hear a thing. To me, it was as if sound ceased. And every time with each child that was handed to me, I found myself whispering, afraid, overcome, delighted. This child was born to me. God has come towards you, towards me, towards the world. Born to us. Born for us, Savior for us, King for us. It's the greatest news. Jesus was born a Savior to set the world free from the bondage of sin. Jesus was born a King to conquer death. Jesus was born Lord to defeat evil. There's never been a more spectacular birth, a more prominent news. The story of humanity shifts in Luke 2, 7. The whole of humanity changes. And it says she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And with that, the world is forever different. In fact, the most important part of your life and the dominant plot line of your story is this. What will you do with the baby born in Bethlehem? What will you do with the baby born Lord? See, Jesus takes over your story. And that is the great news. And it causes indescribable joy. Wait, before you go, I just want to say a few things about a new resource that's come out recently called The Gospel Basics for Kids. It's an amazing resource that we hope that you'll check out. It's for preschool-aged children, and it guides these kids through discussions and story and music and crafts and illustrations and coloring sheets, all to introduce these young children to the important discipleship Uh, realities of gospel, identity, rhythms, and essentially the way that we teach and train and disciple adults, we're doing it for kids because our children are not the disciples of the future. They're the disciples of today. And so go to saturatetheworld.com or amazon.com to learn more about the gospel basics for kids and get your copy.